Hello, welcome to episode 19 of Mooncast. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about gnomes again, but I'm getting uh, Tom on the phone again. Uh, we're going to talk about his uh, gnomes that he took to a recent tournament. Um, during the recording, about 15 minutes into the recording, uh, we had to stop because my... Uh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. My... Um, one-year-old son woke up and would not go back to sleep, so we we ended up recording the first part uh, a week before the second part, so there's a bit of a break um, about 15 minutes in. And there's a few bits where it gets a bit muffly and things, that's because I'm, I'm a bit distracted trying to listen out for my sleeping children, so I apologise for any sort of lack of sound quality, but we did the best we could. It's, a, it's never as good when we record it via Skype, it's just the way it is. I haven't got a fantastic internet connection and... Um, Neither Tom, actually, we both live in remote rural locations, so um, sometimes our interaction is a bit sketchy, so um, I hope you can still enjoy the podcast. Um, it's some really interesting stuff we talk about, um, and I really hope that the um, sound quality doesn't get too much in the way. Um, so let's get Tom on the phone. Oh, there we go. We're recording. Brilliant. Um, so, gnomes. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what was the professional on my podcast? Uh, I don't. Know. I don't know if you just cut out or something. Then I didn't hear. Um, I didn't hear your intro. Oh, okay. Or, or the first question asked, or anything. <laughs> Maybe. I just said that I. I, I just said I'm really professional, and I oh, wasn't being right. professional. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> We're keeping this in, right? Uh, so that, that really the icing on the cake, actually. <laughs> I found that better. <laughs> so yeah. what am I doing here today? <laughs> so we're talking about, although we we did a, I did a gnome, a gnome podcast where me and Jack talked a bit about gnomes, but uh, we're going to talk about gnomes in uh competitive uh scene aren't we so um so tom uh went to the what what was it was called mayhem Mayhem and oh dear um mischief and mayhem there we go tournament in bristol run by um joe who was on the lot who was on the last podcast in fact um very well run yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, I bet, I bet, and yeah, it was the biggest tournament, biggest marathon tournament yet as well, wasn't it? Yeah, there was thirteen. There was fifteen tickets sold, but two people didn't make it on the day, so we had thirteen, which is still really good. That's yeah. that's a really nice number, to be honest. Yeah, there's another side topic before we even start. I love I love tangenting before we even start topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another tournament going on in I think it's America, isn't there? There's a there guy was, doing. One. Yeah, there was one at Orca. Or, oh, is that the one you mean? The one at OrcaCon? Um, yeah. It was on the same day as um, as the Mayhem tournament. I think it was more. I think it was more like a, a demo day sort of thing. It was. Yeah, I thought it was a tournament. I didn't actually see because I didn't realize it was on the same day. And there was eight eight people involved, and they may have sort of been playing competitively, but I think it was more of a sort of an organised demo. But oh. anyway, it's still really good to have um, to have. That, that presence in America as well. Yeah, definitely, 
definitely. Um, so I think we'll start with, uh, do you want to let us know uh, who you because Because Joe's tournament was a bit different because the tournaments that um, you and I have both done previous to this, um, you've either had to bring just five or bring six and choose five. Yeah. You could bring eight, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely love this. Um, this this makes Moonstone so much more fun. Uh, bringing eight, first of all, bringing eight is incredibly difficult. I've probably spent the month leading up to the tournament chopping and changing my list of eight over and over and over, and everyone I spoke to was doing the same thing. Because all of a sudden, you're not just thinking about your tactics and the and the synergies that you want to pull off. You're thinking about what everyone else is going to bring and what your counters to their builds are going to be. So I was thinking if I run against a fairy deep, you know, fairy magic heavy list, who am I going to bring to counter that? If I run into some Leshevolt lists, who am I going to bring to counter that? I chopped and changed it around loads. So just narrowing it down to eight now is quite difficult, which is really exciting. Um, but, but the eight that I chose in the end, I was very, very tempted to bring Gertrude because I thought I was going to run into fairies. I was most worried about about fairies and the Revenant, but there was no fairies and no Revenants. So I was lucky that I didn't bring Gertrude because I she was in my list until the morning of the tournament. But I went four, and this is the core of what I'm now calling the brother, Brothers in Arms list. And there was a few other people rocking this list or variants of it as well on the day, actually. Um, so, Mama Gimbal, of course. Yeah. You can't really have a gnome list without Mama Gimbal. Um, Quarrel, who is the star player of this particular build. Uh, Young Jack. So, Mama Gimbal, Quarrel and Young Jack were my, were my absolute core, um, core three. And then I added on the Gnomish Airship, in large part because... I think it's really cool and I like the model and um, it's one of the ones in my cabinet that I actually painted myself so I wanted to rock it out and I, I expected not that many people would have would have seen it but I was wrong because there was quite a few airships floating around that day but um wanted to play that um I brought Grado. that was a good pun <laughs> I brought Graddock as well um yeah. I'd say in most gnome lists as well, really. It's quite hard to drop anyway. Yeah. Um, although, um, I didn't actually play with him in all four games. Amazing. <laughs> yep. Uh, I opted instead for, because although it's an eight-man list that you bring, you're still only playing five uh, characters per game. Yes. So, so you've got three that you always have to leave behind. So um, those first three that I mentioned, Mama Gimbal, Quarrel and Young Jack, were always the first three I put down, but then the next ones were all a bit variable. So I, I next had um, Billy, because sometimes if the Moonstones are quite spread out, or, um, you know, or they're not on the side of the table that you want, or you've got them deep in your deployment, or basically where you need a bit more mobility, he, he got swapped in. I brought along Muradai, um, because I was worried about the Revenant, because Muradai is brilliant if you come across the Revenant. For those that haven't played the Revenant yet, he's got an annoying habit of either picking up Moonstones and then going, you can't kill me, or standing next to Moonstones and going, you can't pick them up. So um, anyone that can move enemies around is brilliant, because you can move him away from Moonstones and move him off Moonstones. 
And he's very often sitting there with no energy, by the way, because you can whittle him down to no energy, but he can be annoying by standing on moonstones. So someone like Muradai that can steal moonstones off him once he's uh, in those kind of positions, or, um, or and Muradai can also um, push people away. So if he is stood on a moonstone, he can use squeaking to... Um, to move him away. So he was in there just purely in case I came across the Revenant and I didn't. And then my final uh, slot was Eric. Eric the Squire. Oh, wow. So not, not actually a gnome. Duke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so, in, so just to kind of the gist of how this all works, um, it mostly hinges around Quarrel's Brothers in Arms ability. So, it's a, we've, I know that your your friend Jack, uh, Jack Kavanagh, has, has known about this for a while and has used it with Jack. You can, uh, not everybody realises, but um, abilities in Moonstones uh, can stack. They all stack by default. The only ones that don't is things like Slow, where it says Set a characteristic 2, 2, as opposed to modify it by minus 2. So, um, Quarrel can do some really cool things, one of which is putting brothers in arms onto, say, the airship. So, the uh, first turn, or sometimes the second turn, because sometimes you'll want to use the first turn just ignoring the enemy and picking up moonstones, but an early turn in the game, you can use Quarrel and the airship and Mama Gimbal in the middle um, to lay down some really serious firepower. So Mama Gimbal can um, do her uh, kind of her legendary ability, the, um, the Mother's Wrath, that gives them both an extra energy. So Quarrel and the airship uh, have both got four energy, which allows them to fire twice. And they've got her... Um, her plus one arcane. So you're getting out four shots at quite long range, um, each of which are arcane four, and each that do either 2x damage or x plus two damage. So it's a lot of um, damage that you can spit out. But sometimes, let's say if you're playing fairies, um, and that's great if you're if there's a giant on the other side of the board or some high evade characters, that's all you want to do. You're just going to shoot uh, with each of them, so that you get those four shots off on their arcane before with Mama Gimbal's plus one. But if um, if you're looking at some really evasive targets like fairies at the other side of the board, you can use Quarrel's Brothers in Arms, which gives a friendly militia and the Gnomish airship as a militia uh, plus one arcane stat and plus two melee stat until the end of turn. So if you want, you can pump that airship by doing Brothers in Arms three times on it up to Arcane 6, which becomes Arcane 7, with Mama Gimbal nearby. So now you're getting two shots off at X plus 2 damage on Arcane 7 at yes. long range. Which is quite frightening for anyone who's like a fairy player that's used to thinking that they're invulnerable. Um, you can also, if you want to forego, I didn't do this, but if you want to forego... Uh, or, or, or so far I've been talking about the turn when Mama Gimbal uses her ability that gives all the other gnomes plus one energy, but let's say you're on a subsequent turn and you haven't got that, you might want to just make one shot each, and quite often these guys are both quite happy just to do one shot and not reload. 
because Quarrel's got this amazing Brothers in Arms ability that um, he's going to be want to using a lot. Um, and the airship, after a certain point, is going to be preferring to drop bombs. It's going to want to shoot a bolt and then fly in and drop a bomb on someone. So after a certain point, I've stopped reloading with both of them. So when that, when that, and that also means you can do some bluffing at that point because you're not bothered about if your string snaps. Um, now, around about that point, you can use Brothers in Arms uh, reciprocal ability. So you put um, you put Brothers in Arms onto the airship at the cost of one energy, and then the airship puts it back on Quarrel at the cost of one energy. You don't really care because you're not planning on reloading. So they can, and then you can do it again and do it again back. So in that turn, if you don't care about reloading, you can bump them both up to Arcane 5, plus one for Mama Gimbal is Arcane 6, and get a shot with each of them at Arcane 6. So they support one another really nicely in the, in the early long-range shooting game. And the aim is, if I can, to try and take out one enemy with that long-range shooting, just pile all of the attacks into one target. Either lots of multiple lower arcane attacks into a bigger target or um, some very highly stacked arcane attacks into a, a more evasive target. Um, so there's so that's kind of how I use that in the early game. And then as you move through into, and obviously it works on Gradoc as well. Um, he's great in combination with those guys. I didn't use him, but it does allow free bluffs. Um, he's another militia. So Quarrel can put the um, put the plus one arcane on him, and he can bounce it back at Quarrel. He's another person that can do that if you want. Yeah. So that so so there's loads and loads of versatility in using Brothers in Arms to snipe people in either turn one if they're very aggressive and they come straight towards you, and the Moonstones are in the middle, so you don't need to be worrying about picking up Moonstones in turn one. You can do it turn one. But you need to be really careful because both Quarrel and the Gnomish airship have knockback on their on their uh, ranged attacks. So if the enemy only just comes within range and you've gone you've gone super powered and you've stacked up loads of arcane and loads of extra energy with Mammal Gimbal and you should take your first shot and you knock them out of range, as I've done quite a few times, it's really aggravating. <laughs> so quite often you'll I find that it's better to save this for turn. Um, turn two. Just make a few long-range pot shots if you can at the end of turn one. Chip a few wounds off. Talking of all of this, it's really, really useful if you don't choose the table edge, if you choose the initiative. Because if you get to make these shots right at the end of turn one, particularly with the Gnomish airship, if you've stacked it up to Arcane 7 and you're making two shots at the end of turn one, and because you chose initiative, so you guarantee you always choose to go second. And then going into turn two, you roll off with plus two dice, you're almost certain to win, and then you choose to go first, it means you can fire straight away again. So you can basically get three shots in a row off with the, with the Gnomish airship, which is really cool. I generally always like to go uh, take the initiative with Gnomes because not only do they is it really useful to have the last activation to shoot at a healer, for example, with these long-range attacks so that you can't heal anyone um, and they go into the next turn down on energy. It's also really nice to go second with gnomes as you start in, uh, in closing in on the enemy because 
one things you know there's a lot of really good things about gnomes and i'm going to mostly just talk about all the really good things today but one of their big weaknesses is they have almost across the board melee range one inch yeah um which means um they're really vulnerable at the end of the turn to anyone with melee range two just swooping in and um you know attacking them for free basically from outside their melee range so just we're back. got to I had to wake up and not go back. So we're actually recording this next bit over a week later. So in the meantime, as well. What's that? I've had a son in the meantime. I've now I'm now a father since we last recorded. So yeah. Uh, so congratulations! Thank you. Congratulations here. Um, it's very exciting. It's another... the parenting and and being a gamer. Unfortunately, sometimes family comes first. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So where we left off, um, Tom was just talking about basically shooting a lot of stuff at the end of turn one, and then how to start turn two. So do you want to just pick up where you left off, Tom? Yeah, I do. So so to recap, I got a little bit excited about the shooting, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so to recap, I actually think usually with gnomes, you should spend turn one kind of ignoring the enemy most of the time. Unless all the moonstones are in the middle and um, they're herring straight towards the middle, if it's like a really aggressive human build, then you might go for that kind of all-out gun strategy that I was talking about on the last segment, um, turn one. But I think normally it really pays to to hold your nerve and wait and spend that turn one harvesting moonstones. Because one of the issues that gnomes have is they love to be clumped together in this little tiny pocket of, you know, about four or five inches in diameter to castle up. And... Um, if once they're in that little castle, if you send someone off to try and find a moonstone, they get ganked and killed. So I actually think, you know, I've play tested this, I tested out this list a few times in the run up to the tournament, and um, what I found worked best was to spend turn one, and I did this, I think, in probably three of the four tournament games, um, thinking purely about moonstones in turn one. I might fire a late minute shot, maybe. Uh, if, if you know, but it's definitely an afterthought. Um, in fact, generally, I wouldn't even bother shooting. So I'd think about when I see the moonstones fall on the table, I deploy everyone with with a mind of how I was going to pick them up as I'm in the middle of deploying them. So if I saw a moonstone uh, with a value of three, you know, a few inches away from my deployment zone, I'd perhaps put Young Jack near it and Quarrel near it. And my intention would be to pick it up with Quarrel. Um, but I would perhaps run forward with Young Jack, dig it down to a number one. This is a generally good strategy um, for, for all troops, to be honest. You want your you want to decide who's going to pick up your Moonstones when you're building your troop list. So in this gnome list, um, Mama Gimbal and Quarrel are brilliant Moonstone carriers because they're already going to want to be sittings you know in the in the safety pocket surrounded by the gnomes towards the back and sort of surrounded and they're already slow um so um they basically they make really good moonstone carriers um 
Billy is also really good because he can pick up a moonstone um, because he's got quite high mobility through his hi-ho silver. It's not necessarily as debilitating as someone else. But I, I digress. Um, so I would generally use people like Fancy Hat and Young Jack and anyone who's quite killy in your list, melee killy, I always use them in turn one to dig moonstones down to a value of one. And then they use the rest of their mobility and energy to keep running forward. And then you come in behind them with people like Mama Gimbal and Quarrel or the equivalents in other races and then pick up the Moonstones with those. Um, and it means later on in the game, when you want to chase someone down, your killing people are completely free. And if you engage someone in melee and you lose, you, you know, you're not immediately down on a Moonstone. So, um, yeah, so... Mama Gimbal, Quarrel, and, and if I've got Billy in the list, then I like to use him to pick up those Moonstones in the first turn. And then it's all about castling back up again. So I'm doing as much as I can to deploy people near Moonstones, grab them as efficiently as possible, and then spend that first turn getting, as, getting the whole clan back together as best as you can. And things like Mama Gimbal's um, Mother's Love is brilliant for that because it pulls her two inches towards someone and then that same person two inches back, which is great. That's really good at forming the little hub. Um, another reason I like Billy is because he can say dig up a moonstone and then hi-ho silver his way straight back into the middle of the cluster again. Um, and um, my opponent in the final table used Loki in his list. He, had, he actually had a very similar list to me. Um, and... Um, I went for Eric in mine for reasons you will find out shortly. Uh, and he went for Loki. Now, Loki is absolutely fantastic at, re at getting the gnomes all back into their nice structure because he's got one with the wind, which uh, is a, I think it's X plus, I haven't got my cards on this, this is a mistake this time, but I think it's X plus one inch move. Anyone in any direction? I've got them all in front of me so I can. Um, cool. Yeah, well, this will this will test my knowledge of, of the cards <laughs> a bit. But if he if he bluffs, then he gets to basically do that three times. So three repositions of each about three inches each is perfect for getting everyone back together in one go. Um, now, if you've got Grad up around, you can make that bluff for free, and you know you're quite you know, you're reasonably likely to manage to bluff. Or you get called out for a bluff and then you get to play another card. So he will very often move at least one model, if not two, if not three, which is really cool. Um, just generally for gnomes, it doesn't necessarily do a great deal um, extra in this list, apart from what was becoming more and more apparent to me, the more, more games I'm playing, is any characters that have the ability to move your opponent's models around is really, really handy. So he's another good model for that. But I didn't go with him. Um, I didn't go with um, Gradock in the end either, although they are both really solid choices in amongst this this particular um, Brothers in Arms uh, list. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's basically something. I just wanted to rewind because I ended up re-listening to the first part before we came on to remind myself. And I thought I didn't really talk much about turn one and how important it is not to rush in. If you if you do that big shooting round turn one, you'll often have really poor targets because you'll have the people that have pushed forward on the opposite side who tend to be tougher. 
And what you really want to do is wait just that turn, like hold your nerves so that when you unleash your ranged firepower, you're able to hit support characters with it. And obviously with the knockback effects on Quarrel's crossbow and on the airship's bolt thrower, you don't want to be at the maximum extent of your range and you usually will be on turn one. So, so most of the time, turn one, harvest. Because whatever moonstones you grab in turn one, and perhaps if there's any right in the middle of the board, those are going to be your moonstones with this list. Because it's, it, it, particularly in a tournament where you've only got five models, gnomes really are some of their parts. And they, they are amazing when they are all helping one another out and you're using all the buffs and you're doing your activations in the right order and they're all really close together. You pull all those things off, they can do insane things. But they're not one of these lists that can you know, that have got lots of individual characters that can all go off and do their own separate thing on the battlefield. They have to work like a big machine. So get it over and done with, is my advice. Get those Moonstones turn one and then turn four and leave turn two and three for killing. That's another reason why um, Billy's really useful because actually I remember when I was talking to Joe about goblins is that and it's known to have a similar kind of thing that you, you kind of want them very close together because all the buffs they give each other. Then you also kind of need one person that doesn't mind going off to the side to get a moonstone a bit further away that can then get back in again quickly. And that's exactly what I use Billy for. I've always been a huge fan of him. I like his ramming speed as well. The ability to do damage without risking yourself is quite good. Um, but I mostly have him just because he can go off, grab a moonstone and get back again in a way that not a single other gnome can. Um, also, he's a militia, and this list is all about brothers in arms, and brothers in arms targets militia. So he he's a great um, he's a great target for turn for the turn three melee machine. Um, so yeah, so turn two I kind of talked about quite a lot. You basically do lots of this list is all about. And at the moment, I'm trying out loads of crazy new lists. All the new characters coming out is, is making this an amazingly exciting time for Moonstone because there's tons and tons of crazy lists that all seem like, oh my God, that's so powerful. But then when you're throwing them up against other lists that are like, oh my God, that's so powerful, then they balance out really nicely, which is cool. But this list is basically about getting really high um, stats. Um, so... So turn two, I talked about a lot. I didn't mention, I don't think, Graddock, as I didn't use him, but he's ace in this list, if you can squeeze him in, being able to bluff for free. Uh, and also with the witches coming, um, and Shabaroon, who give, I think you've mentioned this on your podcast before, who cause catastrophes, he's actually a shield against that kind of attack as well. Yes. Can fire off one extra shot. Um as can Morris and Joanna, you can put either of those in if you just want one extra shot. But for me, I find that the, just the firepower of Quarrel and the airship was enough. So that kind of brings us up to where we got to at the end of the last podcast. I just remembered there was a few things I forgot to mention. So I just went back over old ground there a little bit. Um, but turn three is where things go absolutely bonkers with this list. This is where this list is really, really cool. And that's when I turn all of and um, a few other people that have discovered this list, turn all your attention to melee. Because um, 
Well, first of all, I will just say actually before melee, if you have Gradoc in your list, turn three is where Gradoc really shines because by now you're close enough that you can do, if you get first activation, you can do forgetfulness on two different enemy targets and making their healer forget healing and then some other like fire spit to forget fire blast as your first activation on, it can be amazing. So don't be afraid to push Gradoc forward. I know he looks like a support character, but you want to get him up in the front lines he's quite tough um yes. but anyway brothers in arms gradoc's a, a um gradoc is a militia as well so he he works with this strategy so it's all about quarrels brothers in arms which gives plus two melee stat and plus one arcane stat so the best target for this is young jack he's got a base melee stat of four which is not that impressive Although he's got good damage buffs, uh, not bad energy, and he's he's good all round egg. Um, but his melee is, you know, nothing special at four. If you forget about shooting McQuarrel this turn, um, you just march up and keep pace with the Moonstone that you hopefully grabbed on turn one, and then you use Brothers in Arms three times on Young Jack. That puts Young Jack up to melee ten. Then when he's attacking, that goes up to melee twelve. Then if Mama Gimbal's nearby, that's melee 13. And then because he's a noble, if you have Eric nearby, which is why Eric's in this list for me, he goes up to melee 15. Which means you're drawing 15 melee cards when you're attacking. Out of an 18-card deck. <laughs> that's most of them, yeah. Which means your opponent only has three cards, no matter how good they are in melee. Even if you're fighting the fencer or fancy hat, if you're attacking, there's only three cards left. So they get three cards because the attacker always draws their cards first. So this doesn't work quite so well when they attack you back um, because, you know, they still get their full complement of cards and it's you that gets less than you should. But if you're the one doing the attacking, um, you basically share, you, you know, you share the entire deck. You take your 15 and they get their three left over. Now that means you know exactly what three cards they've got as well. You can count them up, and any ones that you don't have three of, you know that they've got. So you can tell, for example, that they've got two high guards and a thrust, for example. You can um, choose your card appropriately. You know, you might choose a rising attack in that case. Or sweeping <laughs> cut if you want to be really safe. But of course, you've got triple. So whatever you choose, you're often going to be getting doubles or triples. So you hit really, really hard as well. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> um, and um, again, I use Eric in this list because you can my hero uh, um, young Jack so that he's energy five. So it takes a lot of setup and you have to, again, it's all about being patient with this. You don't want to activate young Jack until right at the end of the turn. You want to you want to load him up with five energy um, because he's really vulnerable with his one inch melee range. People can, um, if you, as soon as he's got no energy left on him, people are going to hit him at range and then all of these buffs are no, are no use. So get him up to energy five and then stack him up to melee stat 10. Um, and then towards the end of the turn, you can charge him in and he will make pretty short work of the vast majority of targets. 
Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Jack, Jack's, done, Jack's done this. This is my friend Jack, not young Jack. <laughs> has done this exact thing to me before, and he attacked Gotka, I think. I think he did something like 12 damage. I can't remember now, because it's quite a long time ago, how he did it. But I think he did 12 damage in one go. And then and then, just, and then I had two health left, and he killed me very easily with a second, second round of melee. But yeah, he did exactly the same thing. Where I think he ended up with 15 cards. Yeah, it's it is really crazy. I mean, it doesn't always go your way. I have actually still seen it not go your way, but it's surprising actually when you're holding all these cards. Still, how difficult the decision is, <laughs> even when you know what your opponent must have in their hand, and you've got this massive card of hand, hand of cards. It's still tricky, but you still have to play mind games. Both of you are playing mind games because because they know that you know what they've got, so <laughs> it does get quite. They know that you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's good. It's, it's obviously very, very strong. Um, and then the other thing, which is almost a, a side benefit, but it's a really useful one, is Young Jack's, um, not, you know, his melee stat's really high, but so is his arcane stat, because he got the plus one for each of the uh, brothers in arms as well. So that puts him at normally his arcane stat two. Now he's up to arcane stat five or arcane stat six with Mama Gimbal, which you want nearby because she gives him extra magical resistance and plus one melee and, and all those other benefits. So you will normally get that. Now that means that his um, his uh, magic brew is really reliable because you're drawing six arcane cards. So I would tend to start fighting with him, and after I've you know, after a couple of melee exchanges, I'll then do a magic brew because I can be fairly confident that I'm definitely going to get at least one energy back. So the minimum it's a freebie, but I can make the choice whether to do a heal if I've suffered some wounds already in that melee exchange on myself with the blue card or get some extra energy um, with the pink card. So, yeah, he's a, he's a beast, absolute beast. But the one thing I would say is you don't want to necessarily stray too far with him. You know, a lot of that, a lot of his power is coming from all of those other gnomes around him, giving him extra cards and, and other buffs and whatnot. So if you torpedo him off into the distance, then um, he'll probably kill the first target, but then you might get hacked to pieces soon afterwards. And also if your opponent, because I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you in a second what you think a counter to this list is, but... yeah. One thing I know I've done against, because I know, like I said, Jack likes to load up young Jack, is I've just made sure my characters are just spread out enough that they only ever kill one with that tactic. Yeah. And, killed, and then I just shoot him to pieces with other stuff. But um, it's still, you know, it still means it's like guaranteed kill that person. But like you say, if he's not, if you do move him too far away from, well, Mama Gimbal in particular, um, or Graddock, you know, to help with um, anti arcane, then. He will suffer. Yeah, and um, I'll probably what I'll probably do is talk all about how great this list is, and at the end I'll talk about all of the weaknesses and how to how to beat it if that suits you. Yeah, that's good. Cool. So um, I can't remember what I was saying. Oh yeah, magic brew. Um, and then the other thing. Oh yeah, I was saying don't don't let Jack run off too far on his own. Um, Likewise, don't be too cautious with Mama Gimbal and Quarrel and Eric. You know, they are really, really precious, to be honest. They're incredibly precious. They're carrying your moonstones and they're the ones that are turning 
um, young Jack into this animal. But if you are too cautious and you hang them back too much, then your whole plan actually collapses. Yeah. So you do have to keep marching them up uh, and just trust that, you know, you'll overwhelm them. Um, if you lose your kind of confidence and, and string out, then you're done for. Well, if, you, if, you've man, if you've managed to do, if you've managed to kill one or two people in turn two with the shooting, and then Young Jack's killed a third person in turn in turn three, yeah. they've only got two people left. Exactly, so, that's, the, that's the dream scenario, and it happened for me in yeah in two of the games in the tournament. You know, you get that first kill with the shooting, you get the second kill with Young Jack. Now it's five on three, and really, you know, you you've won at that point. Uh, it's just a mopping up exercise. Didn't happen in the other two games. The other two games, I had to fight really hard for it. Um, <laughs> the first, very first game, very first activation or second activation, somebody loaded Flintlock, used Eric to give Flintlock two um, two shots. Um, used my hero on Flintlock so that he could have two shots and shot my airship out of the sky. So <laughs> that was. That was my turn one before I'd done a single thing, and that was, you know, that was difficult to overcome. But I ended up fighting my way back to a draw in the end. Um, but yeah, the other things I was going just going to say on on this strategy is obviously Young Jack is is my favourite person to do this with, but Billy um, is great as well. He can also be stacked up to really high melee stats and. Um, you know, anyone that's got really, really high melee stat and plus plus one damage is going to do, you know, some impressive things. Um, and Braddock, even Braddock, he doesn't have plus one damage in melee, but he's got a base melee stat of four. So same as Young Jack. So when you get him up to really high numbers of cards, he can do some decent beating as well. And then... Yeah, yeah, cause, cause, me, melee four is kind of slightly above average isn't it like the, the, the average kind of support character tends to have a melee of three um like eric's got three and uh morris got three quarrel's got three so having four it, it's it's actually quite a big difference but again if you've already like i say if you've um if your brothers in arms grabbed it twice you suddenly melee six or is it melee eight if you do it twice he's melee eight yeah to melee, melee eight so i mean even though he hasn't got any plus damages, there's a good chance you're going to get a critical. Yeah, he's he's not bad. I mean, it's not your plan A, but um, you know, it's a pretty sad plan B. Yeah, it, it is, and it means that because I don't like to pick up moonstones with Young Jack unless it's an emergency, um, and I know that there are potentially uh, one other alternate person that you can you can make your new melee fighter, even if they're not as good. Um, does mean that you can be quite, you know, quite risky with them. So, so yeah, that's that's it. I know a few people were, and then obviously turn four, you're you know you're mopping up. Um, hopefully, if everything's gone to plan, you're just you know you're overwhelming them now at this point. And um, if things haven't gone to plan, then you're panicked, you know, frantically making up a strategy as you go along to deal with it. Uh, this happens twice, you know, two of my games come down to the absolute wire. Um, so, and then two of them went really smoothly. 
So there's no real plan for turn four. It just depends what has ended up happening. Um, but um, so so you you were mentioned about counters to it. Yeah, I was wondering what do you think is a good counter to the list? Yeah, definitely, because I think there'll be people listening to this thinking, "Oh my god, that's that's ridiculous. That's like that's too much." Um, but I I did play test. I tested it three times <laughs> before the tournament. I lost all three. Um, it's it's surprisingly hard to actually get everything going in the right order and the right you know in the right timing and and everyone in in the right places. Um, the um, the list, all known lists, but you know particularly this one can struggle to get moonstones. But it's got two people that are slow and everybody who wants to cling together. So they can be very easily outcompeted um, by a, a highly mobile um, force that spreads out. Um, you know, you, you might well have, um, you might well lose one person to Young Jack on turn three, but if the rest of your troop has all been picking up moonstones and, um, you know, losing one person, you know, you always lose somebody. Um, sometimes that's, something that happens. The other thing that works really, really well is um, killing Quarrel. <laughs> Quarrel's, only, um, Quarrel's only eight wounds and he's got no armor and he has to stay reasonably close. Um, and yeah, he's definitely easily killable. He's evade zero. Um, Eric, likewise, Eric's got minus one evade, but he's only seven wounds. so. Either of those two, um, like the nobles list that was good, which still is good, um, killing Eric is kind of one of the key strategies there. Um, and then the other things, of course, is anyone that's got lure effects, so things like Boom Boom but Boom and Gwendolyn and um, Loki and Agatha and lots of them out there, um, lure Mama Gimbal um, or Quarrel, suck them away from the um, from the from the castle and beat them up um, and then this list really falls apart um, you know I because I'm aware that that is a counter against this list I'm really really careful with where I position Mama Gimbal and Quarrel I always try and make their put them so that if they are lured they're going to bash into the base of another model or into a piece of obstacle terrain and if that means that I can't get where I'm going this turn, um, then I usually do that. I normally think it's better to, to play slow and wait and make sure that you can't be pulled out of position because once you lose those guys, you know, you're in so much trouble. Um, other good things to do is um, young Jack, obviously, if you rob the energy off him, things like the mortician's... Um, uh, I've got the name Rigor Mortis or C6 Juice, C Stick or Diana's um, uh, Feed on Fear. Um, yeah. You know, if you can wait until they've put all their whole turn's effort into stacking up Young Jack and then you rob his energy off him, um, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. cause, cause... He's quite vulnerable to that, that, the, the Diana missile, as I'd call it. Like, if she can get to him, maybe turn two. She could rob his energy off him and then kill him with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he 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 may well get that if he's near Mama Gimbal, he'll be minus one for her and minus one for his shield. So then he's going to have a harder time doing it. But yeah, he's 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 tough. I mean, 
the um the gnomes have all got quite good magical resistance they're the only ones that really do goblins and humans normally don't really have any defense against fairy attacks but the gnomes uh, are more of a struggle but um yeah um she can definitely rob his energy and um you know gwendolyn can uh lure people out of position and then they can all you know that I, that's something i'm really keen to do more of is gwendolyn in the fairies because the fairies have got massive amounts of magical damage but it's all quite short ranged at six inches yeah now what you really want to do is pull one model from the opposite side of the board to within six inches of all of your people and then just toast them um and then do that again next turn and do that again next turn um, so the gnomes would really struggle with that. They've got crap evades, so they get lured quite quite easily unless the player playing them is positioning them really carefully. Um, other weaknesses of this list: the airship. Um, the airship plus quarrel is what makes devastating uh, ranged attacks. Quarrel on his own is not devastating at all. He might plink someone, but he's unlikely to kill anyone. You need the, the pair of them. And the airship is really vulnerable to being attacked with arcane attacks itself. Yeah, It's plus one evade. It can't benefit from cover. It's got no uh, damage reductions, and it's only eight wounds. So anything that's good at shooting can take it down, basically. So when I, you know, my counter-counter is when I'm playing... With this list, the first person I'll always target to try and kill is anyone who can kill the airship because the airship really is very fragile. Um, and another just general weakness of this list <clears throat> is that one inch melee range everywhere. Um, they, they really struggle late turn particularly if they're down a model if they're being out activated so that your opponent you know the gnome's opponent has got two activations at the end of the turn then that could be a real problem because people are gonna um sweep in and hit you for free without you being able to hit back and it's not like it's not like fairies where you can store all of your, your energy to be reactive and step away gnomes kind of need to use all of their energy during their activations so they are vulnerable in that last few uh, uh, few activations. Once you know, once people can swoop in and hit you. Um, so yeah, that's that's some of the counters to it. There's the other things is there's you know there's other lists that you can build that do their own crazy things. You know, like the animals list that's hyper mobile that can you know get the moonstones and disappear with them and um, all sorts of weird goblin combo lists that we've been chatting about recently on the whatsapp you know just just play your own game that's the other that's the other plan you know come up with something the, devastating of your own and then just just stick to that the, the other counter that i considered and it's one that we did a battle for it was quite short before isn't it? we only did 4v4 and jack took um a gnome gun like he took even more he took flintlock as well um so he had one little uh airship flintlock and mama gimbal um and i took uh essentially like a giant troll list so i had gotchka boulder bristle nose and freya yeah um 
And it was actually quite surprising just how much damage those big guys could absorb. Oh, I know. I, I'm not going to say it now because I might roll this out in a future tournament, but I've got a list along those lines that is really good that I think can beat this list with the names quite quite comfortably. So I'm not too... too, yeah, too right. yeah, you just basically swarm them with tough targets, you know, high wounds or hard-to-kill targets. Um, another another thing, if you're playing Leshevolt, um the Revenant, um, it's all very well. Uh, having all of this firepower and, and melee power, uh, but the Revenant can't be killed, so he doesn't care. Um, and there's nothing really that this list can do about that. That's why I have Muraday in my sideboard, just to try and deal with him if somebody brings him. Um, and the other thing is with the Witches, with all the arcane deck manipulation, Danica especially, who can who can look through the deck and take out all the greens yeah. so that you're shooting is useless. Yeah, that's that. That would be my go-to, I think, for dealing with a known gunline list. Is just, um, just yeah, take. If, especially if I take well the three witches and then probably um, the revenant. And I think is Wendigo a spirit as well. Yes, Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So if you took revenant and Wendigo as well, they then you've got a real melee threat. Not as much of an arcane damage threat, but you've got a horrific melee threat with um, Wendigo. Zoya and um, the Revenant, and yeah. then when, when Danica plays her, I can't remember what the beard is called now. Medal with Fate, is it? Yeah, um, the fate where she takes the arcane deck. She's yeah. basically taking the entire deck, isn't she? At that point, yeah, to have a look. And it's just well, I'll take, the, I'll take the green three and both those green twos out, and suddenly the highest damage you can do is about two. Uh, exactly. Another cool thing along those lines with the witches, I'm veering off topic a bit now, but, but I'm keen to try is there's a couple of healers in the Lesher Vault that heal on a pink. Uh, yeah, Daniel does. And, and, uh, yeah. Now, take out all the blues. There's not very many yeah. uh, <laughs> there's not very many other troops who um, don't need blues for healing. So that can be that can be cool. There's basically uh, my at the moment uh, my mind's overflowing with all the crazy lists that that are that are now becoming possible just because the, just because the there's more combinations of cards. It's not that any individual new character that's coming out is more powerful than any old character. It's just that the synergies are kind of becoming more multiplied. I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I think this, this gnome, sorry, this gnome list has actually been around for ages. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, apart from the airship, it's not really anyone particularly new, is it? No, I mean the airship's given it and that dimension. Um, I mean, you could have done it before with Quarrel, um, putting Brothers in Arms onto, say, um, uh, Gradock, which would have put Gradock up to like a really high. Uh, arcane stat, but he didn't have the damage with it. Yeah, because the, the one of the things I particularly like about the uh, Quarrel airship interaction is the ability to shoot at fairies. <laughs> Basically, that's what the airship has given uh, given them, in my opinion. And you wouldn't think it to look at it. You look at the airship and you think, oh, it's an arcane three. It, I'll never take that against fairies. That'll be useless. But um, but no, it's actually quite handy. Yeah, I mean, I think what what, what 
I was thinking about this before we started recording this this second session. Um, and it's, it's a list I'm tempted to take next time I do a tournament. I'm hoping to do one in, in March in, in Norwich. Um, is I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to run a big guy list. So I was thinking uh, Gotchka. Uh, but back, back the Dominion side of it, rather than the Commonwealth side. Okay. Gotchka, um, Boulder, Bristlenose, Rybold, and then probably the Mortician. Um Although possibly Freya, because she's a slightly more... Although the Mortician could bring Rybold back if he died. That could be good. Which is good, great, but Freya is just a very reliable, very reliable healer. Um, and that's what I found when I played against Jack, like I said, with these... We did, we did a 4v4, but with the three big guys I had, I had Freya with it. And, um, you know, I managed... I think turn one I didn't, but I, I you know two heals with Freya usually meant I healed five or six wounds back on a model. And then I think in turn two, I did it and I got, and I got a trickster off that second time. So I think I got got cut from two health to full health. Um, and he was just, that's just very frustrating. So that that worked. But I'd be, I'd be torn between Freya and the Mortician. The Mortician's obviously good against them. Um, I think I'd be turning on what I what I facing against, actually. If I wasn't facing a particularly high arcane threat, yeah. I would Freya, um, because he's also very mobile and can jump around grabbing moonstones. Um, it doesn't need to heal, but it means the giants and trolls aren't particularly at threat before they get into combat. And, and then they're terrifying for anyone, really, even against, like, like say, like a young Jack who's done up. Bristle knows he's still scary. Oh, yeah. Because um, yeah, they're all still, like, plus two damage. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, I, mean, I think what I'd probably do, if I was, if I was taking Bristle knows against young Jack and he'd got all those cards, I would just go on the offensive, thinking I'm going to die anyway, so I'll hit you with, a, with whatever I've got. And try and do four damage back to you because four damage on young Jack is horrific. The big guy list that I really like, giving away my secrets now, but what the hell, uh, is um, Gotchgut, Brunhilde. So it's a Commonwealth one. Gotchgut, Brunhilde, Lubard. Uh, if it's a five man list, it, you know, you can do it with the characters that are already out. If we, um, and that is, then I would add in Brother Daniel and Kaufman. Yeah, I've done that list before as well, yeah that that's really cool because it's so mobile because you can use brother daniel's plant the placard to move everyone two inches you can use um uh kaufman's uh gold to move the giants as well um you can use uh um brunhilde's loyalty so that she uh moves three inches on a reaction step towards kaufman uh, Kaufman is completely safe because he's got two bodyguards nearby. He can throw bags of gold at the enemy that, that pins them in place. Which um, is the most thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got um, Brunhilde handing out plus one energy to all the other giants. Um, Daniel. Content. And brother Daniel teleporting people around. You've got this list of giants and you look at it and you think, oh my God, they've all got like two energy. But it's crazy mobile. And you've got these big, massive giants like bearing down on you right at the end of turn one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So gnomes, the gnomes would freaking struggle against that because they wouldn't be able to shoot someone. I don't think they'd have enough firepower necessarily to kill someone before they're before they're dealing with multiple melee threats. And yeah, Jack might kill one giant, but if there's three giants all up in your grill. Yeah. Mm. And Lubard's three-inch melee is. The, just the area he can control with that is 
And that is absolutely horrible for gnomes because it's a three-inch melee, so they might have to spend two energies to step in. So he moves up to threaten them. They might have to use up two energies just to step in if they've even got that. If they don't have it, then he's got all these you know, free hits on them that hit really hard. And if they do step into one inch of him, then he's got an absolutely disgusting um, signature move that only works with, against enemies within one inch. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not a nice list for the gnomes to run into. Yeah, I think, I think if, I was, if I was playing sixth, my sixth would be Dimmer Dimmer. Um, yeah, is, is he, exactly. he's, he's dual, isn't he? Is he dual Commonwealth Dimension? Dual, yeah, he's dual. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of goblin lists which uh, which kind of revolve around grabbing the moonstones and running away which the gnome list again would, would really struggle with yeah the, 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 the goblin king list would be quite hard against the goblin king shabroon uh, mortician ribald and probably doug he, um, uh, crusty quite like crusty actually Okay, there's, yeah. there's quite a few all the you know um, yeah, that, that, that fifth spot is a bit more fluid yeah. Um, is you know, unless they kill them, I mean, the first person you have to go for in that list is the mortician because anyone else you kill is just going to get brought back next turn anyway. Yeah, exactly. Just that's a bit vulnerable because people can kill quarrel. But any any of those kind of lists, because there's um, it's a list that I really really like with the mortician and Belladonna. Um, oh where, God, where Belladonna. Yeah. You you use her catastrophe to kill someone, but it also kills her. And then you use the um, mortician to bring her back, which is ace. And you can then, once you've got that general machinery working, you can make it more efficient by instead of trying to draw a catastrophe, you can use the revenant or shavaroon to trigger a catastrophe on her. Um, yeah. And then goblin king that can make the mortician have two activations so that you can resurrect her twice and you know, there's lots and lots of moving parts in that that on paper are amazing and very scary but again I've played it um, I've played it against Joe and when your opponent knows all the machinery it's very easy to just throw a spanner in the works just pick one one of the moving parts and go you know if any of the control abilities in the game uh, or just kill the mortician <laughs> And uh, and it it stops working, yeah. but it's still really fun. Still a really cool list. I like it. I like this the fact it's a goblin fairy list as well, and it's you know an effective goblin fairy list rather than one that's just been done, uh, just because you know people wanted to. It actually, kind of works really well. Yeah, I like seeing goblin fairy mixes because I think in the in the original, why why I think of as the wave one set of models that came out in the first Kickstarter. You didn't really see a lot of goblins and fairies mixing. Um, yeah, there was all. I've probably mentioned this. There was a bit, there was a bit more, um, but I feel like goblins and fairies mix much better now. Um, yeah, and I've, I think I mentioned this before. When when Moonstone first came out, and there wasn't that many models, I wanted it to feel like four factions. Yeah. Um, because two factions didn't feel like enough. So I wanted it to feel like humans, gnomes, goblins, and fairies. But now it's three factions. Now it is Commonwealth, Dominion, or Leshevol. And then within each of those three factions, there is kind of um, almost like sub-factions, but the sub-factions should all be mixed and matchable. That's, that was the aim. And I think it's I think we're getting to that point now where, where you will mix... Um, 
you know, you'll mix your gnomes and your humans a lot more often than your goblins and your fairies, and the Leshevolt, you know, are already a bit more jumbled up. There's already, you know, you might do a mix of fawns and witches or whatever. Or, or fawns and commonwealth, even. The, the Boris Joanna list is another favourite of mine. Swarming, yeah. swarming people with a, a whole load of bunnies and then going in with Joanna with her three armour and minus three on the target um, is really cool. And a jackalope as well. You've got a lot of melee threats in that list, and you can be pin people in place a lot with the um, with the bunnies, and then send in the either send in Joanna or Boris or the jackalope once you've got somebody trapped with bunnies. That's great. So yeah, there's so many so many fun lists uh, that I've been playing with lately. It was difficult choosing what to play in the tournament, but the reason I went for gnomes was because they'd not won a tournament before um and now they have <laughs> so yeah. um so i wanted to, i guess to show um that gnomes are cool too and that um and that they can be competitive because i don't know why I, I was seeing a lot of comments online of people kind of saying perhaps that they thought that the gnomes weren't weren't as competitive um which is odd because in in our pre-release before the kickstarter when our playtest group they were definitely one of the strongest ones so yeah little little project i think of mine was to was to run them out in a tournament and sort of show a couple of the tricks that maybe have been sat there all along that people just hadn't noticed yet well i think it proved it because it wasn't just the fact that you won with the list the fact that that in the final it was you against another set of gnomes yeah which yeah, really surprised so me. Two, 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 two names in the final just kind of proves it completely, isn't it? Yeah, there was, um, there was, I think four or five known players. Four, definitely four known players. Um, so I was really surprised by that. Um, no fairy players, which is odd because fairies have won the last few tournaments. So a lot of my, because I was going round and round and round about trying to make my eight-man list and um, and I was thinking I would be facing a lot of fairy lists so I was planning how I was going to deal with fairies and then I didn't run into any yeah but, um, who knows how it would have gone if I had yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah interesting yeah interesting to see if you, if you didn't face them and I think one of the things as well is you can get almost a bit complacent with what you're facing um so i think in the uh in the last tournament that i ran which actually is like last august now um i faced goblins in the first one and goblins in the second one um so then facing humans in the final um I had to remember uh, just how much more health they've got and how different they were to face against i did i actually played a fairly similar strategy to be fair but um it, it was interesting facing two two of the pretty much the same list twice in a row, with different people using them, and then facing a very different list. And also, also I, was, I was facing the, the person I played in the final had won both their games, so um, someone who was possibly slightly better, um, or at least had a good setup. Um, but then in that one, I suppose in that in that tournament, the guy I fought in the final, he'd gone with a particular tactic in both his previous games, which worked for him. And it didn't work for him again in in the game against me because he didn't really know what didn't know what Diana could do. Yeah, because his tactic had basically been load up Fritz, 
charging down the middle and killing on people and if he dies it's fine but i've taken out two key people whereas when he, when he played against me he charged fist down the middle and i murdered him right at the beginning of turn two <laughs> before yeah. he could act with that, that dinos toll is in it i think i got a three took all his energy off him and then just destroyed him i, I know who you're talking about clem was at the tournament as well but he's he's he his strategy is always he always loves melee and he he likes to have multiple kind of independent threats whereas we've talked an awful lot on this podcast about um basically character combos and all the kind of do this then do this then do this then that character is a superman his he prefers to just have lots of very little support just all characters that hit really hard so that you just I, open I, I, them I, with multiple threats and, and they're all kind of independent and they can all either pick up a moonstone or kill someone. Um, it does quite well. I think he came fourth in the tournament. Um, and then Goblin yeah, Pirates. I, I, I played him last year in Bristol in our last game and um, he kind of did that, but he didn't really take into account. He hadn't played against fairies or anything recently. Um, so I obviously took a fairy list. He didn't really take into account how irritating Silvertongue is. Um, mm. So I think I got at one point. He basically, he just made some really what he what he what he would have described as textbook errors as well. Just put Fritz a bit too close to Fancy Hat, and I made him. I made him hit him. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I did. It. I think I, I think I took control of Fancy Hat and made Fancy Hat hit Fritz. Um. Yeah, they are vulnerable to that. There's a couple of other things where I, I like push people around, and it just, it just meant he couldn't do quite what he wanted to do. And um, and yeah, like, I, I weakened Fritz. I weakened Fritz down to like two energy, and then I think Fencer went in and and just killed him in first round of combat. And then I think she then got. I think she then moved over and hit Fancy Hat and killed him as well <laughs> in one activation. Um, nice. I was just going to say, Lubard is going to hate seeing Silver Tongue on the opposite side of the board. Yeah, because he's going to really, land really far away. Really and he hits hard. Yeah, he's going to be. He's going to be really. He's if he's if he's done righteous fury, he's going to want to stand really far away from his own people after that. Yeah, but he can't stand too far away because he's because his blind uh, yeah, I know. traits means he has to be within four inches of a friendly model to jog or harvest, which I completely forgot once when I was playing uh, playing this Giants list and I used um, Brother Daniel to teleport him right at the back of the board next to the enemy healer. And then um, he just uh, walked away from me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to jog after you. And he was like, oh, you can't, you're blind. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm just teleporting my best melee character into the middle of nowhere and he's going to be stuck there for the rest of the game now. <laughs> uh, that's tragic. <laughs> um, another list that I'm quite excited about taking is, is, is a goblin pirate as well. I played that in our last um, the last campaign game that I played. Um, I took a they're, goblin list. They're fab. They're so versatile. They're a really good tournament list because they can actually deal with an awful lot of different problems. Mm-hmm. Um, just with their uh, core five. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, so I took I took the four goblin pirates and I think I took Freya actually interestingly rather than Beaky. Interesting. Um, I can't think of why I took her, but I did. Um, I think I just thought I didn't. Yeah, I can't remember why I took her. There wasn't. Really, I think. Oh yeah, the board was quite terrain heavy, and I wanted yeah. 
did that was really mo I didn't go just over to and she did jump over terrain quite it was it turned out to be quite useful. But um like they they killed Lubard, I think, by the beginning of turn two, just with pistol fire. Yeah. Adam Adam Caldicott used um the Goblin Pirates in the uh the Brist- Bristol tournament and he actually came second um because uh you know when you add up your wins and your and then your moonstone difference actually was actually second and i played him as a practice game and um, he shot me to pieces <laughs> so with that same gnome list that i ended up winning the tournament with in the practice game against him um i lost and i didn't actually f- didn't actually end up facing him in the tournament so could have gone but yeah, yeah, basically the the pistol they do release an awful lot of pistols and pistol fire, and they can then swoop in and hit quite hard. And they can also grab moonstones and run away. And they can also, um, you know, they've got good kind of uh, moonstone tech. You know, like Krusty can steal moonstones off people, and they can punch airships out of the sky. They're, just, they're really flexible, but they're also kind of fragile. So do need to be a bit careful with them. Yeah, well, apart from Krusty, Krusty's pretty hard to kill, but yeah. Um, yeah. Also, like, Spigotty's really good against, um, Spigotty's quite good against the airship, can't he? Because he can nick up, up and away off it. Yeah, the, the pirates are definitely so good against the airship, I wouldn't bring it. Because all the pistol fire yeah. can shoot it down so quickly. Swooty can steal up, up and away, and Krusty can punch it. You know, the pinch punch, you know, the punch is an arcane attack. It's a two-inch range, yeah. but it means he can reach it effectively. So the airship generally thinking, oh, I'm safe from melee, and then Krusty can hit it anyway. So, yeah, I wouldn't bring the airship against Goblin Pirates. That would get subbed out for something else. Not quite sure what. He's also quite swiggity. He's quite fun against um, the Revenant. He's a a really good counter to the Revenant. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm saying the, the Goblin Pirates is such a good tournament list in a box you know the five goblin pirates or the four goblin pirates plus your healer of choice has got really good counters built in to some of the biggest problems you might encounter in competitive lists like the revenant you know just steal his undying it's hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> suddenly swiggity can't die yeah <laughs> for a turn it's like oh geez um and actually i think i think I would put, as you said, that they're quite fragile. Is I would stick the mortician in with them. Yeah. One, one, he's obviously not available yet, but once he is, I think he'd be a good, he'd be the good healer to put with them. Yeah. So, I, I love the mortician. There's so many cool tricks you can do. I mean, he's he's straight up a worse healer than Beaky, but he's more exciting because there's more kind of wacky things that you can do with him. Mm. But, um, he should be coming out soon. Uh, I'm hoping for the first of March, but I haven't kind of officially announced it yet because I'm. You know, but the, he's been 3D printed and he's in the middle of being all of the the new um, Goblin box set, Rule the Roost, is all printed and being mastered at the moment, and the new uh, Fawn box, Hunting Horns, is in the same situation, um, and so is Rivold the Troll. Cool. Um, and then there's a few bits and pieces from I've basically split the Lashavolt in half. Uh, and I'll be releasing the first half of it in at the same time as these new characters around March, and then the other one perhaps in uh, I don't know, April, May, probably May, realistically. Um, but yeah, they, these these new goblins 
um, very, very tricksy, combo-tastic goblin lists uh, are going to be appearing soon as well. Yeah. With the goblin. Yeah, no, no, no. And then when I did a podcast with Joe, he was virtually drooling down the phone at me thinking about it. <laughs> I know, bless him. He's already written, I think, four tacticas uh, all about all these new models. Um, and obviously he's not released them yet because they're not out yet, which would be a bit cruel to everyone. But but we're, we're bastards. We always talk about stuff that's not released on this podcast. Yeah. But it keeps it fresh. Like somebody who's listening to this six months from now, it'll be, you know, fresh content still. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, I think that kind of covers it, really. Um, so I've got I've got just one last question for you then before, uh, before we hang this phone call up. Is... Um, it was the same question I asked Jay when I kind of put him on the spot with it, mm-hmm. um, which is, what is the one, and, and obviously it's, di- it's kind of a difficult question for you because you've created all these characters, but of the next few characters being released, which is the one character, you can only choose one, oh. I'm most looking forward to having. Uh, the Goblin Airship. <laughs> Just because the model is insane, and uh, I haven't I haven't released it online yet because it's it's so damn cool looking. Um, I'm saving that one, but yeah, it's definitely the coolest looking model. And Rybold is a really cool looking model as well. So I think I think I'm getting quite excited about goblins at the moment with the Goblin King and the Goblin Airship and Rybold and the Mortician. Um, there's just some some really wacky looking goblins coming out soon that also play really wacky. Yeah. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, yeah, for from a from a fun to play with perspective, I think the Goblin King and a fun to look at perspective the Goblin Airship. Yeah, no, it's gonna look awesome. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well I think we'll um I think we'll leave it there then. I think we've we covered gnomes and other various tournamenty bits quite well so i'm happy with that so um i might just plug um the the mayhem and mischief tournament that was the, the one that we've been talking about that was really 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 good fun really well run and a great venue and everybody had a really nice time um it went so well that joe's doing another one uh yes. is of it mayhem and mischief two electric grubaloo which is a funny yeah. name. <laughs> uh, it's May 23rd, is it? Something like that. It's definitely May. Or is it May 3rd? I can't remember. Let's quickly. May 3rd is the Sunday. It's the, first, yeah. it's the first Sunday in May. Cool. Is that the date? I'm quickly, frantically looking it up because uh, we don't want to give your listeners the wrong information. So it is... Um, it is May the 23rd. I've right the first time. Cool. So, yeah, uh, it would be, you know, really awesome to see a few few more faces at the next one. It's capped at 16 players. We sold 15 tickets. I say we. Joe organised it. Joe, Joe sold 15 tickets for the last one, so this one probably will sell out. So if you're listening and you're tempted, uh, then I'd put the deposit down. It's only £7, which basically just covers the, the room higher. And then you get um, some welcome gifts and uh, uh, prizes for winning and best painted that I'll that I'll uh, find in my box of treasures. 
Cool. All right. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'm hoping to run a tournament in probably in March. Um, probably in, in, in Easter holidays. That'll be March, beginning of April. Um, I'm going to run one uh, in Norwich as well. Um, so I couldn't really, I couldn't, the one I wanted to do in December didn't, didn't work out in the end. I think I, I, I arranged it too close to Christmas, basically, and the two people couldn't make it. Yeah. Uh, that was my own, that was my own fault. I didn't realise that. I'm going to do one in about March time instead. Well, you're super um, welcome to make it down to, um, Mayhem and Mischief if you could, if it yeah, your work. I'm tight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a discussion between me and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'll definitely try if I can. Uh, cool. All right. Well, I'll um, I'll stop the recording there, um, and I'll, I'll add a bit on to the end of this anyway. So yeah. Cool. Oops. I think I think I actually just took a photo of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Professional as ever. <laughs> Okay, and that, that'll do. Um, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, I do hope that you managed to hear that all okay. I apologise for some bit breaking up. I'm afraid that's just the way it is when we're recording over Skype. Um, hopefully we'll do a new podcast soon. Uh, me and Jack are planning to do our next one about, about the fawns, but so that'll be about some of the new fawns that came out in the Leisure Vault expansion for Kickstarter and um, and some other new stuff we'll talk about as well. So yeah, thanks a lot for listening. And see you next time.